Okay, we are live. Welcome to a new episode of the African Developers Podcast. I am Kesir, your host. My guest today is Rashida Yehuza. Rashida is a senior software engineer at Wayfair in Berlin. Rashida, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So tell us a bit about yourself. A bit about myself. Uh, so I'm, I'm Rashida. Um, uh, I'm Ghanaian. <laughs> I grew up in Tamale. That's uh, um, the capital of the northern region in Ghana. Is this still the northern region? Yes, I think so. Okay. I, I mean, with the whole re- regional split thing, I'm extremely confused. I, I don't know which region. And I still yeah, can't believe too. there are 16 regions in Ghana. But So I, I need to go back and uh, learn and figure out <laughs> the, the names of all the regions. Yeah. Um, anyways, yeah. So I am from the northern region. It's still the northern region in, uh, in Ghana. And uh, mm-hmm. I, I'm currently living in Germany, in Berlin, where I work as a software engineer. Yeah. (laughs) Cool. So what is Wayfair and uh, what do you do there as a senior software engineer? Right. Wayfair is is an e-commerce, like it's it's a, I'm not sure if I should call it a tech company, but we basically have an e-commerce platform where we mostly sell furniture. So anything for the home so not just furniture but anything for the home so it's like the amazon for the home it's really big in the united states because it's a, it's an american company and i think we haven't been in europe for a very long time probably seven years i might be wrong but in berlin or germany it's been less than five years the wafer is growing really fast and uh, one of the reasons why they moved some of the engineering to Berlin because there's a lot of talent in that region. So Europe and Africa in general. And yeah, so that's, that's like the high level overview of what Wayfair is, I guess. Mm-hmm. So what, what do you do as a, so I noticed that you are now a senior software engineer, not just a software engineer. Right. So what are your, what are your responsibilities there? Right. So I joined Wayfair about two years, three months ago. And I joined as a software engineer. So we have different levels at Wayfair. So we have like, uh, I think, entry level, then there's L1, L2, L3, L4, 5, 6, 7, you know, you get it. (laughs) And L2, you're considered like an engineer. So L1 is an engineer, L2 is also an engineer, but the responsibilities are different. So I'm now a senior software engineer, which is an, uh, an L3, and at L3, you, you could become a, an engineering manager or senior software engineer. At the moment, I'm an IC, which means I'm an individual contributor. So mm-hmm. uh, my my responsibilities are usually around designing and building uh, software within the company. So I don't people management at the moment. Um, yeah, so mostly just around technical projects and delivering technical projects. Yeah. Cool. Are you allowed to discuss what technologies you guys are using? What's of course, stack? yeah, yeah, okay. because it's, it's. I'm very uh, curious about that yeah. <laughs> because it's it's uh, it's available. It's online. 
So at Wayfair, we, we use all sorts of technologies. And I think uh, we just got a new CTO, Jim Miller. I'm not sure if you've heard. They made like a big announcement and our stocks just went through the roof. <laughs> anyway, so because of our new, because we have a new CTO, obviously there are a few things that are uh, changing within the organization. And, and one thing is just driving for excellence and, you know, more of a decoupled architecture and uh, just like platform-based. I think that's what a, almost every tech company is going towards microservices. So Wayfair is not any different. And as a result, we're kind of experimenting with new technologies and the company is really pushing for just innovation like that that's one awesome thing about Wayfair so with regards to the tech stack we still have majority of our code base in PHP because you know we started with PHP decades ago and we still maintain code base in PHP even with even new code in PHP but for all new code, we try as much as possible to build microservices from them uh, for, for those uh, projects. We also we also use SQL, which is, <laughs> I mean, everybody uses some type of SQL. And we also do, our front end is mostly in React, JS. We, typical. Yeah, typical, yeah. Actually, <laughs> we, we migrated to React, JS probably not more than five years ago, I think. At first, we're using tungsten or something that I didn't even know about. So front-end is mostly in React, but we also have a lot of teams using Python and Go and C-sharp. So, Interesting. Yes. I'm actually moving to a team next week, a new team next week, and that team primarily uses .NET Core. So I'm currently learning C sharp .NET Core because I I have like a slight experience with C sharp in the past, like building games with Unity, but it has completely evolved and it's so different now. So I'm basically a newbie and it's been interesting trying to learn C sharp 8.0 and .NET Core 3.0 or 3.1, I think. Yeah, so those are the main languages we use at Wayfair. But in terms of tech, like the entire like tech ecosystem, we, we use, I think now a lot of teams are using Kafka. We use Kafka a lot as well. Could you explain what Kafka is and what it's used for? Right. So Kafka is kind of like, how do I put it? You could you could say you could use it as a queuing system. Mostly at uh, Wayfair, we use uh, Kafka as a queuing system, mm-hmm. and it's yeah. I guess <laughs> I'm not sure how to how to explain it, uh, but it's from Apache, and basically it allows you to publish and subscribe, so you can create like a system where you can have publishers and you have consumers of messages. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you publish and subscribe to records, um, similar to like the queue system that I mentioned. You can also like process process records as they occur. So basically, at a very broad level, you can use Kafka to build real time uh, applications. So that kind of transform uh, the streams of data that you uh, send to it. Awesome. Yeah. And each record consists of a key key and value pair and, and also a timestamp. So um, it's not so different from other technologies that we have, like Redis. It's quite similar, but it's it's just much faster for uh, using it on an enterprise level. I, I think. see. Yeah. Cool. So you are 
a successful, I'm going to assume, you're a successful senior software engineer in <laughs> Berlin. Successful. <laughs> I'm not sure about the, that. The, yeah. question, the question I and probably many other people have is, how did this all begin for you? How, how did you begin your journey into software development? Right. Oh, yeah, that, that's a very interesting question. Do you want the long version or the short, or the short version? Let, let's go for the long. Let's aim for the long version. Let's we can always edit. Long... Yeah, we can always edit okay. it now. Okay, awesome. So uh, I would, um, where do I start? Okay, so I've I've always been a very curious kid, you know, like running around Tamale and all that. I've always been very curious. And, you know, my environment didn't introduce me to, like, computers or, like, electronics from a young age. In my household, it was – or any, any African household, really, it's you – either, you either become a lawyer or you become a doctor. That's it, like – I didn't know that there were other fields that I could explore. I just thought I have to become a doctor and that's what everybody sang in my ear. So um, growing up, I was very like um, naturally curious about things and curious about animals because I, I conditioned my mind that I wanted to become a doctor. So I thought if to become a doctor, you need to be uh, familiar with like human body. You need to be familiar with like um, how living things operate. But I didn't realize that that curiosity was just figuring out how things work. And at some point, like in, in class, I'm not sure if every school in Ghana was the same, but teachers will constantly ask you what you want to be when you grow up. So it just seemed like a certain thing, like whatever I chose as a kid was what I had to work towards. And sometimes a lot of the boys would say they wanted to do electrical engineering or they wanted to do civil engineering or something that, um, I'm not sure if civil engineering is technical, but at that time I just thought anything with engineering was technical and it was for uh, boys because they were the only ones who wanted to be engineers. But there was something funny happening at home because I was always breaking things. Like I would break the radio, I would break the TV, I would break everything because I wanted to just see what was inside. See what was inside and try to put things back um, together. So that curiosity stayed with me for a very long time. And I went to St. Mary's High School in Accra. And uh, during that time, my friends noticed that I was so into computers. Like, <laughs> I would skip class. I mean, you couldn't really skip class, but <laughs> I would skip class and sneak into the computer lab just to... Because to me, it was exciting, like, to, to, to have... Uh, compute like a computer like a device you have a mouse and you have a keyboard you type something you move it around and it's getting all this input like it was just mind-blowing so after high school when I went home in Ghana we usually have like a gap year so you have a year before your results are out before you go to the university so during that time I I was teaching in a school but also I was so curious about computer science and everyone was waiting for my results so I could apply to the university to become a doctor because that's obviously what I had to be. And so uh, during that time, I wanted to figure out what this, what a career in computers could look like. Not computer science, computers, because I had never heard of computer science. I didn't know what it was. So during that time, I went to a computer school and in that computer school, I thought, they would teach me what 
computers are all about and what what a career in computer science oh, sorry in computers could look like so i went to the school and uh of course what were they teaching us microsoft office microsoft excel mavis beacon teaches typing and like powerpoint presentations so just soft skills i can I relate remember asking, <laughs> I know, soft skills so i remember asking the instructor that how was this Microsoft software made? Like what, what, like what goes behind it? Like, and he said, do you know, Bill Gates? And honestly, that was the first time I ever heard of Bill Gates. I think uh, maybe I heard of him passively, like people saying he was the rich, richest people in the world, but I never associated him with like computers or Microsoft. Like I didn't know what an OS operating system was. And this was high school. You think about it. Like I was, after high school, I was probably like 17, 18. So that's that's really like grown to, to not know about a field that would later on become like my entire life. So when he talked about, he talked about Bill Gates and he said, well, there's something like uh, software engineering and people build these kinds of software. And I told him, that's what I want to do. I want to build Microsoft Word. I, of course, I didn't know what went into it. I just thought, I mean, if I can type, maybe I could build it. So a couple of my friends tried to convince me to do computer science, but I was sort of afraid because my family wanted me to become a doctor. So when my results came out, I applied to a couple of schools, uh, University of Ghana, I applied to KNUST because I wanted to go to KNUST and I boldly chose to do computer science at KNUSD. Right. So for anyone for mm-hmm. non-Ghanaians listening, could you explain what KNUSD <laughs> explain is? What, yeah, <laughs> KNUSD is the Kwame Nkrumah University of Science and Technology. Of course, it's the best university. <laughs> in <Ghana>. I, I <laughs> disagree, <laughs> but we'll I mean, keep that for another day. <laughs> I think you went to Ashesi, right? Ashesi, we can we can give you a pass because Ashesi is amazing. <laughs> Um, but KNUSD is like a, the best technical university that you could go to. And because I wanted to do computer science, I knew techni- uh, KNUSD would be a good choice. So I didn't tell anyone I applied to study computer science, but I also applied for nursing, I think, in some other university. Uh, was it Un- University of Development Studies in Tamale? Just so if I get the nursing, I would say, well, I got nursing and I got computer science. Maybe I should do computer science instead. So it came and I got computer science and they asked, oh, you got computer science? How, was that your second choice? I was like, yeah, I mean, I didn't get the grades for <laughs> to become a doctor. And so they were like, yeah, but let's wait for the one from UDS. And UDS came, I got the nursing and uh, they said, well, better to do the nursing you can do the nursing for one year and then switch to you know like medicine and they gave me the fees and instead of going to pay for the fees at UDS I went to pay for that at KNUSD and when the time came for me to report to school I said I have to go study computer science that's what I'm gonna do and I mean at that point like of course they couldn't do anything because then I'd have to be at home for a whole year before mm-hmm. you know reapplying. So I I went to KNUSD to study computer science, and the first year I thought I made a mistake because it wasn't what I expected. It wasn't just learning how to build Microsoft Word, but it and it wasn't just uh, fixing computers because usually people ask you to format and reinstall their computers and all those things, but it was actually software engineering. 
my first introduction to that crazy world of being able <laughs> to just create with, you know, like a, a computer. Like, but of course, it was it was challenging. I was introduced to C C plus plus. I just couldn't help wrap my head around programming. I thought it was the most difficult thing ever, and I. I used to explain it to my friends as basically creating, you know, a language. Like it, it isn't like math where you have formulas and you know you just fit in the formula and everything works. With software engineering, you build that formula, and I had never thought of anything in that perspective before. So it was a completely new world and uh, an amazing challenge. And I had to prove uh, quite a few people wrong because I chose this path. So I had to stick to it. And um, I think I still remember when I grasped the the understanding of writing an addition function, like a function to add A and B. The joy was amazing. And I think once I figured how to add two variables or just to realize that something is an integer, something else is an integer, and two integers come together to create another integer, my mind was blown. And since then, it, it, it was um, much, much, much easier to understand what I was taught in school. But I, it still wasn't pushing me towards building Microsoft Word. <laughs> so I, I, and at that time, I think um, there was a lot of, there were so many initiatives to uh move towards mobile i think and also like a uh, web mm. because in ghana we didn't have like an amazing fast internet infrastructure for a very long time you know and even in university we were still limited by by that that kind of infrastructure so you had to go to maybe a vodafone cafe just to access internet just just to be able to do something and i was always fascinated by all these applications and like it was crazy to me. I I knew the input from like C plus plus. Like you can get a get user input and do something with that. But I didn't know how to do it on the web, and um, it was fascinating. So I decided to figure out how to do it. And at that time, I met with some colleagues and also some seniors in uh, university, and they were playing around with PHP and HTML. I didn't know HTML as well. So I decided to learn HTML because that was going to be the, it seemed like the first, the first step to web development, I think. And I remember my first marquee, you know, those things that slide back and forth, like it goes from the, the right to the left and it goes. So I remember my first marquee was like, hello and welcome to HTML, Rashida. That blew my mind. and. At that point, I knew it. I just had to keep going, and I could I could design like forms, but the forms did nothing. So, of course, I had to ask what they were. And I mean, I didn't have access to great internet at that time. Where now, kids just type how to submit forms in programming or something, and then they get like a, a lot of things. But at that time, internet was expensive. So I I had to figure out, you know, who was good and whom, whom I could ask, like who was way ahead of us in class. And a few people mentioned PHP. And uh, I got a book on PHP, dived in, and it opened 
another world of possibilities like databases so like persistent data was just exciting and so i think for me my journey in um, computer science or just software engineering especially like everything i've done has just has been how do i how do i put it has been a step to figuring out what i want to do like what i really want to do and i've just been lucky enough that I, I I chose to study or even work in a field that brings out my curiosity or like a, not brings out my curiosity, but uh, how, how do you usually say it? There's a saying for it. Allows yeah, you to like explore. You explore your curiosity, but then it, it I don't know. <laughs> in English, it's not, English is not my <laughs> first language. So, um, and anyway. <laughs> What's My your first, first language, language by Dabani. the way? Um, that's that's what I speak. Okay. Um, I mean that that's what I spoke growing up, mm-hmm. and at the moment I don't speak it often. But I mean, because there aren't a lot of Dagomas around me. But yeah, <laughs> but it's still <laughs> it's basically my native language. What are some of your? Sorry, no, you're, you're going to say something. To Go ahead. What I wanted to say with that curiosity <laughs> thing, but I can't figure it out. Yeah. It's fine. What, what are some of your most memorable experiences from university? Oh, that's, that's a good question. There are quite a lot. I'm trying to figure out which ones to, to share. Um, <laughs> the, the first one was definitely figuring out how to add A and B. <laughs> um, that was one. Um, so at the university, the, we, we had, we had a project. So from, I think, the second year or third year, we had uh, projects that we had to do. So the first one was a mini project. And I think we had two mini projects. And then there's the final project where you write a thesis and you defend it. So the first one mm-hmm. was, I, at, at that time, I, I was introduced to the world of game development I have no idea how I was introduced to game development. Maybe I was online or YouTube or something. But there was this um, there was this web development engine called DX Studio, and I remember downloading and playing with it. And I was amazed that I could build like I could build a whole world, like three D model, a whole world. Put a character in that 3D world and code, like just write write a piece of code to to guide that that character in that in that world. So I, I think in the early days I was fascinated by software uh, by game development. So with that I had to pick up uh, JavaScript because I think it was written in JavaScript, and I built my first game. And it it was a 3D game, and it, somehow it became like a big thing on campus. Like it was a pretty bad game, I tell you. It wasn't good. It was called Buju Hand, but it, it wasn't something that a lot of students explored, like on campus. So it was it was chosen to be uh, part of. Um, we had this. Um, I forget the name of the the event, but every year we had an event in the university where. They selected projects and students would show them off to everyone. So not just uh, people from the school, but, you know, like sometimes you had ministers and MPs and like people who were influential would come to, 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 to that event and uh, it was open to the public as well. So my 3D game 
was chosen to be, so I represented my class. And yeah, that was, that was interesting. Like if I look back now, it was, it was interesting. But at that time, I just, I just thought I was playing around. I was doing nothing. And so for my mini, my mini project, I decided to try 2D game development because with 3D, with, with the DX Studio, I, I felt like I wasn't writing as much code. I, I was doing a lot of 3D modeling and it wasn't really for me. So I picked up Java because each year we were kind of alternating languages. So in the, the third year, I think we learned Java and I wasn't very into the whole UI aspect of Java because that's what they taught us. I wanted to learn like game development with Java. And I, I built this 2D game, which was, there was no engine involved and it was, it was quite uh, fun and interesting. And just around that time, I had also head of Unity <laughs> game development. So, and, and that came along with, with C Sharp. And I think they also had their own, uh, their own language. I'm not sure which one, but it was also something to play with. But I also had a, I had a group of friends in that time and we were part of a, a club called M Friday. I'm not sure if you've ever heard of M Friday. No, you haven't? Yeah, probably not. I don't think so. Uh, so no, M Friday, no. it was... Was it? it so it was, was in, in Kumasi, Kumasi, right? This, in, this entire campus? time was, yeah, still okay. university. Called M Friday. And it was basically a group of young people, students. Everyone was young, but it was a group of students who came together with the guidance of um, two of the founders, Bobby and oh, I can't believe I forget the other one's name. <laughs> He'll kill me. Uh, anyway, so they came together and they created this environment where students could 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 uh, come together and share ideas and work on projects and basically just have that entrepreneurial mindset. And I went to one of the talks and the the uh, one of the founders Bobby talked about Mark Zuckerberg and Facebook, and I had, I knew Facebook. I, I had a Facebook account, but I'd never heard of the story of Mark Zuckerberg or how Facebook was founded, and I was blown away to hear that a young boy in university built. A software like built a website like Facebook that everybody uses now in his dorm room. I'd never heard of mm-hmm. that, and I I walked out of that talk inspired. I, I just thought, well, if, if Mark Zuckerberg can can do this, like why can't I also build something? You know, and it, which is which is beautiful because now when you look back, like being open to the world a bit more, like I. <laughs> I see I was never on Mark Zuckerberg's level. You know, he was a privileged uh, person <laughs> who was in a position where he could do the things that he did. And, and you know, like he had a, a lucky break as well. But it's so beautiful when you're a student and you're not so open to the, to the outside world that you hear something like that and it drives you. And it did drive me towards um, M Friday. And I met incredible people. I mean, People like uh, Aloysius of Farmaline. I'm not sure if you're familiar with Farmaline. They're doing great. One of the best tech, tech startups in mm-hmm. Ghana. I mean, I wouldn't really call it a startup, but small, medium <laughs> <laughs> companies. And, and 
we would talk about building companies and uh, just because we were inspired by M Friday. So because of my association with uh, M Friday and the people that I, I, I hang out, I hung out with, I was influenced to not just think about building software, but solving problems. And I started looking within campus to figure out what issues we had. And one was with voting. Voting mm-hmm. was, you know, we had issues with corruption and um, just rigging. Elections were being rigged left and right. It was pretty unfair, like not so good. And I thought, how can we use technology to solve this problem? How can we build a system where people cannot interfere with election results? That's with SRC, that's student, mm-hmm. the Student Represent- Representative Council. I'm not sure if I got that right, but for those kind of elections, for those right. kind of elections, <laughs> it makes sense to develop a software that's that cannot be controlled by humans. Of course, you know it can be controlled by humans, but it depends on who is behind it. So I teamed up with yeah. a friend, and we built a voting system, which we call the Nasara voting system, and we. The, mm-hmm. the school of uh, business at KNUST used it, and uh, we were able to convince other schools outside of KNUST, that's my university, to also use it. So we organized elections in multiple schools, and it was fun. It was a fun ride. But also around that time, SMS was becoming like a big thing. And yeah. there were a lot of people pasting notifications all over campus. And there was also a friend who had built an SMS system, and I was inspired by that. And I was also looking for solutions, uh, ideas for my final year project, because at that time, I think I was in my final year. And so I came up with uh, the idea to build like an SMS communication system. So at first, it was just for the university and, and, and watered down to be a solution for students and uh, their professors. So our lecturers and professors could reach uh, students in time. Because one problem we had on campus was sometimes the exam calendar would change overnight. And somehow you need, so we had uh, groups and someone was assigned to go to, to, to the uh, school site every night to make sure that nothing changed. And if anything changes, you, you know, they had to communicate with everyone. So that was that was unfortunate, but it, it, it happened a few times and there were a couple of students who missed their exams because they weren't updated. And so I thought if we had that system, professors can just go in and type whatever, you know, the new timetable is and it would uh, disseminate to every student in there who's taking that, 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 that exam. And I mean, it sounds like a very simple solution, which of course it is, but it, it really takes a very complex communication system and makes it extremely simple and accessible to everyone. So I, that became my Mm -hmm. final year project. And, uh, (laughs) Fortunately, after my after I, I presented it and the, the thesis, there were a lot of groups on campus who wanted to use it. So you had so many religious groups, so many clubs, just minor organizations, and then at some point, even schools wanted to use it. And so I kind of rebranded it and called it Nasara Mobile. And till today, we mm-hmm. have thousands of Ghanaians using Nasara Mobile, like uh, organizations and uh, schools and um, like individuals as well to send like uh, 
messages. So I, yeah. that's amazing. I was I was going to ask you about Nasara right, Tech right. at some point. Uh, thankfully, you you brought it up yourself. So it was basically it was your final, final year project, project that turned into yes, a company. It into a company, and the first the, the main one was uh, Nasara Mobile, and then um, Nasara Tech came after that. So at that point, we realized we had to <laughs> register the company because we wanted to actually do business with people because, you know, you got to get a tax ID and all that. Mm-hmm. So it was fairly, fairly easy to, to register the company. And uh, personally, for me, I wasn't, I, my goal wasn't to run a company. I didn't want to run a company. I just wanted to have an internet business that did that that run on its own i didn't want to have a physical location i didn't want to because i knew there was still mm-hmm. more out there like i wanted to learn i wanted to work at a, at companies i wanted to just figure out what else was out there in terms of uh, software engineering so um i did put like a small team around it everyone was working remotely and um, it was mostly customer support but Till today, it's just an amazing piece of product that pushes me to, you know, not be comfortable. So if if I have an idea to, for example, use Kafka, and I can't do that in my current workspace, I have a real project that people use that I can experiment with. So yeah, it's been, mm-hmm. and it's still running. So that's... So are you still involved in the day-to-day yeah, operations I mean, of Maseratech? Thankfully, it's... Um, it's completely everything is completely online and everything is completely remote so there are two Mm -hmm. of us because we we do uh we we use online payments and we integrate with mobile money so um we need someone on the ground in ghana who kind of handles the you know that aspect so that's what happens but we've i've i have i've never met (laughs) any of our customers outside of those that i knew from back in the university yeah, we don't have interactions. Well, we, we do have interactions by email, but no personal interactions. People just find it, they sign up, and they can do everything without ever having to talk to us. And that's that's the beauty of, <laughs> of having uh, a SaaS product like this. Um, you know, because in my mind, it's yeah. not a business. It's just it's a product that, that solves a problem, that solves uh, people's problems. And if they get to pay something for it, then that's cool. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. Cool. So Nasara Tech is the company. What uh, aside from the mobile SMS thing, what other um, products do I you have? I think the SMS thing has been the most successful. The rest of them failed horribly. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, at first we were doing uh, web development as well. So <clears throat> web, just web design and web development for for people. And that was mostly when I was in university because I had a bit of time, but after university I had a job and I knew I I wasn't going to be able to sustain it. So that that ended quite a long, a long time ago. And um, we also had this product called just elect. Um, It was the version two of the voting system that I had built with a friend back in university. And it was completely rebuilt. And we had like a, a few uh, schools that wanted to try it out. But at that point in time, I also had an opportunity to go to Abuja and uh, work in a, 
in a, a tech startup. And I knew it was going to come with challenges, but it was going to be exciting. So I had to choose between mm-hmm. uh, being on the ground to kickstart like uh, a new product or just go out there and learn. And for me, the learning aspect and, and, and the uh, the growth aspect was more important to me than running a business. Because uh, sometimes you get stuck in that idea of selling as opposed to creating and building. So I think because there wasn't a lot of force to to push it into the market, um, I would say it was a complete failure mm-hmm. <laughs> because I just wanted to launch it and not have <laughs> to do any of those things. But with, with voting systems, you have to convince and you have to uh, make sure that um, you're kind of on the ground to provide that kind of support for a product like that. Yeah, but those are the I two see. main things, I think. So did you have... Did you have to? So you mentioned yeah. your your job, the opportunity that you got to work in Abuja. Did you yeah, have to relocate to Abuja? Abuja. I, I lived in Abuja for um, I, actually before then I was working at Voto, so that's Viamo. I'm mm-hmm. now Viamo. An amazing opportunity, amazing yep. people, very uh, awesome business idea, or I would say it was a social enterprise. So I'm not sure if business is the right word, but it had a great social impact, and so. We were also doing some few, we're working with agricultural companies as well. And around that time, I was also kind of interested in agric. Like, how, how can you connect technology with agric? Like, what kind of problems can we solve in Ghana, in Africa? And Hello Tractor came along. And um, I knew that was something I had to do because, <laughs> I mean, I was thinking about agric for a while and it was in the tech startup in agriculture and uh, it's kind of like the uber for tractors in 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 africa so i knew i had to relocate Mm -hmm. to abuja and of course that came with some (laughs) backlash like why are you gonna move into nigeria you know you're you're female you you don't know anyone (laughs) in nigeria even friends who are very open-minded were just like um Mm -hmm. so yeah there there were a lot of things that i could have done before but i didn't because Sometimes I listened to people who were afraid because I was trying to make a decision as a woman, which, which now when I look back, I just realized it was fear. It wasn't anything other than that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and how was I your loved, experience in Nigeria? Abuja. I really loved Abuja. Um, Nigeria is an amazing place. Um, people, are, the people are amazing. Like, they're so different in a way from um, from Ghanaians. Like Ghanaians are usually quite laid back and we're, you know, a bit chill, I would say. But N- Nigerians go for it, you know, like they, when they see opportunities, they go for it. Ghanaians also go for it, but we all do it in a very different way. So it really opened my mind, my, my eyes to different approaches approaches of business or just you know how how to get people to test your products there always has to be something in it for someone else and because i was living in in abuja a lot of people will say abuja is not really nigeria but i i had a fantastic time i mean i (laughs) I spent some time in lagos as well because we had business trips but i i loved nigeria (laughs) yeah And uh, so in between all this, you, you did a master's degree, right? Was this before uh, the Abuja was, thing or after? In, it was before and during. I didn't finish my master's degree. Mm. I, I, I was doing an MPhil in computer science because I like to mm-hmm. teach. And 
I did like a few things with uh, Tech Needs Girls, like co-founded Tech Needs Girls with Regina. And so um, I, I, I had no idea. While doing, <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, we yeah. co-founded it together. Anyway. Wow. So I know, I know Regina because she went to HSA. Yes. And yeah, so she had come to talk about uh, Tech Needs Girls a few times. But I had yeah. no idea you were involved. <laughs> I was. I mean, I'm no longer involved. Um, but the beginning was she and I um, co-founding it and also uh, working with M Friday and Vodafone to to have the first Tech Needs Girls event mm-hmm. in Kumasi. So, and since then I was, uh, you know, involved. But, you know, Regina was kind of, I think she was in Accra. She was in Accra and I was in Kumasi. It was it was an interesting time and and. I knew that at, at that point, I knew that I wanted to do something related to teaching some, somewhere along the line. So I thought doing the MPhil, I could later on go do a PhD um, mm-hmm. and that would, and then I could teach. <laughs> but I realized that wasn't what I had to do. The teaching was, wasn't what I, you know, you watch, you watch videos of AI and uh, I, I, I was interested in uh leveraging that because I was, I was at Voto at that time. So Viamo, so how can, and when we do a lot of, we're working with languages. So making sure that everybody could get the same message, but in their own languages, but a lot of the things we're doing was still manual. So my thesis was sort of around that and, and how, you know, we could use AI to, to automate these process. So it learns and knows how to, um, you know, like, interpret the language that we're speaking. So to different Ghanaian languages, just starting with a few. And I, whilst I was at, I was doing my MPhil, there weren't resources for me to, to actually research those things. And I just sort of dropped out because <laughs> I realized at that point I was doing it just for a certificate and I wasn't, it wasn't answering those questions that I had. And mm-hmm. so I, I realized it wasn't the thing I had to do at that time. And I chose to go to Abuja. So I still have a year to complete. I'm not sure if I'll ever complete that degree or (laughs) I'll go somewhere else and get another degree. I'm not sure. But yeah, it was a good run. (laughs) Yeah. So I I know I I knew you were doing a master's because we actually met during that time. Uh, We met at the... Yes, we did. (laughs) I was was about to say, I don't think we've ever met. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, We did. So it was at... I actually tweeted about it. It was at the VIP station in Kumasi. Oh right! I remember yeah. that meeting. I do. Yeah, and and I remember it because you introduced me to Vue.js. Yeah, because back then everybody was still on Angular. So then we met, and I introduced myself, and we're talking. And you mentioned this new framework, and I want to look it up. Yeah. And to this day, it's my favorite front-end framework. So oh, that's thank amazing. you very much. <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah, thank you for, for introducing me to Vue.js. You're welcome. That's amazing because um, I, I think I was at Voto at that time. If I was in Kumasi, then I was probably at mm-hmm. Voto. And we we were experimenting with a few things. So uh, there was Angular, JS, and there was Vue. And Vue just made life much easier. So we ended up picking it up for some of our projects. And I I, I tried, I incorporated Vue in uh, Nasara Mobile as well. So it was, I, I just, I think I really enjoyed talking about Vue, but I don't, I don't use Vue anymore, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm now a React uh, girl. So. Same, same <laughs> but, here. Yeah. Yeah, so I yeah. use I use Vue on my personal projects, but then at work I have to use React. 
because awesome. yeah, it's what everybody uses. <laughs> yeah, everybody yeah. uses it. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing about JavaScript. Um, we're all just waiting for the next one, and then yeah. we all become confused and frustrated, <laughs> complain on Twitter, and then we go back to and we go on and learn the new one. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, you ended up moving to Berlin. How did that happen? Oh, how did that happen? Oh, so I I was at I was at Hello Tractor for two years, I think, mm-hmm. and the main choosing to go to uh, Nigeria was because of that desire I had to work outside of Ghana. I, at first, my plan was Nigeria and then maybe Kenya or Kenya before Nigeria. Kenya was always sort of in the list of places I wanted to go or even Rwanda to Nigeria, Ken, Kenya or Rwanda. So I knew I was in Nigeria. My next, the next uh, country was Kenya. I just kept thinking Kenya because um, they have a great ecosystem. I wanted to learn more about mobile money and uh, the, the wonderful <laughs> things they were doing with mobile money and just how successful they were unfortunately I got to work with a branch of Safaricom. I think they had like a a small uh, startup within Safaricom and they were working with the company I was working with in Abuja. So had a trip to Kenya and I at that point I was like, Yeah, Kenya is gonna be the next step down the line a few years but i was i was wrong (laughs) um (laughs) i i i had a friend who uh jojo i'm not sure if you know jojo um i just want to give him him a shout out (laughs) Um, (laughs) he 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 had moved to berlin to work at um you know a a startup and he told me that the tech ecosystem in berlin or germany in general was really taken off and there mm-hmm. were exciting companies here that were using, you know, interesting technologies and they were really poised to grow. And so I was like, huh, Germany. I've never in my life thought of Germany <laughs> as, a co- as a country I want to live at, not, not even visit. Like, <laughs> I just never thought of Germany. It never crossed my, my mind. So I started doing a lot of research on companies that were based in, in Germany or Berlin. And I mean, at that point you were thinking probably BMW or all these car manufacturing companies that have tech departments, but no, it wasn't. It was companies like HelloFresh and, uh, you know, Liferando and, you know, they had the rocket internet. So they were churning a lot mm-hmm. of companies uh, from the rocket internet and companies like Wayfair. Wayfair is a big American company and if they're choosing to set up an office in Berlin, then that that tells you something. And so I started looking at all these companies, their tech stack. What did I want to learn next? What was the next thing I wanted to do? And I mean, Jojo was like, ah, just HelloFresh is good. Liferanda is good. All the rocket companies that go, there are quite a lot of good companies. And for some reason, Wayfair just caught my attention, just caught my eye. And I was like, okay, I'm going to apply to Wayfair. And hopefully I get it and um, I get to work in a big company because I'd worked with, I had worked in startups mm-hmm. and startups are very different. You know, at some point you're kind of like a big fish in a small pond and you just start yeah. growing at some point. And I wanted the next challenge of um, being in a company where I didn't know anything, like <laughs> where I felt like I didn't know anything so I could push myself to um, learn. 
And uh, Wayfair just kind of did it because it was it was for, it was an American company, and uh, they had a strong uh, tech presence in Boston, and so they were opening an office in Berlin. That meant there was something good happening, and so I applied to Wayfair and did a bunch of interviews. They weren't easy. <laughs> <laughs> but I also applied to a lot of other companies, not just Wayfair. And in the end, I chose the offer from, from Wayfair because it was just much better. And I wanted to work with their technologies. Mm-hmm. So that's how I ended up at Wayfair. And then I, I moved to Berlin. Yeah. <laughs> what, what is it like living in Berlin? Oh, Berlin. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I think um, Berlin is... Berlin is Berlin. Uh, <laughs> it's, uh, were, it's, there, <laughs> were there any big cultural shocks? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So many German cultural shocks. But it's Berlin is very, I think it's the most international city in Germany. Mm-hmm. Wayfair, for instance, like in our entire tech department, it's, you, could, you barely find a German. I mean, there are Germans in other tech in other departments, but I think we, there aren't a lot of software engineers in Germany, German software engineers, I mean. And so the entire company is multi, multinational. Is that how you say multinational, multicultural? Mm-hmm. You can find almost every country at Wayfair, you know, that's the beauty. <laughs> and so just take Wayfair and take a lot of the tech startups that are also in Berlin you would find that there are so many people from other countries. And so that is what Berlin is. Berlin is just um, a melting point of um, different cultures. But you still find elements of the German culture, which is very good for rules. because Sometimes (laughs) people don't like rules, but it's really good for rules. And um, yeah, so I would say Berlin is like a mix of German and international and it's it's uh, and I think there are also more younger people in Berlin in general, like anywhere else in in, in Germany, because Germany mm-hmm. is an Asian country. So it's fun. I would say it's young. It's fun. It's hip. We have a lot of hipsters in Berlin. <laughs> um, <laughs> there's that culture. There's a lot of art. The art scene here is pretty pretty awesome. There's graffiti everywhere. Yeah. I would say living yeah, in I, Berlin is, yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So after, after a year and a half in Estonia, I, I used to work in Estonia. Okay. And I was planning my next move. So Berlin and Amsterdam were my top two cities. Right. Yeah. So I, I, I did apply for a bunch of jobs in Berlin and then in Amsterdam as well. The Amsterdam one worked out first, so I just went with it. Okay. But, yeah, but if it didn't work out, Berlin would have been my, my second choice. I think you would have loved it. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. So one, one of my fears with Berlin was that I would have to learn German, which is actually not true. It's, it's interesting. Um, like I was, afraid, I was afraid of having to learn a new language. Right. And then I moved to Amsterdam where everybody speaks English, but I'm still right. learning Dutch. <laughs> Wait, everyone speaks English in, 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 in Amsterdam? In Amsterdam. Yeah, yeah, everybody. Yep, yep. I think... Maybe in Germany, I think Berlin is probably the only city where you can mm-hmm. start a conversation in German in, in English. English. Yeah, but it's still not. <laughs> it's, I don't think it's it's still not like Amsterdam. If you are in Germany, you have mm-hmm. to learn the language, and of course, yeah. it makes sense. Like you can't you can go to <laughs> Canada and start speaking 
German. <laughs> like you got to learn English. So um, yeah. it's important for people to learn the language. And I would tell you that's been my struggle. Mm -hmm. I've tried. It's tough. And <laughs> I'm not motivated at all <laughs> to learn the yeah. language. Because it, it's if you work in a company, like if, if you're working in a, an international company, you never have to use German. When I yep. go to when I go to the shop, I don't talk to anyone. <laughs> I don't talk to <laughs> anyone, so I never have to use German. So you get comfortable by not speaking the language, and yeah. you know, two years go by, four years, five years. But I think in in Germany, like in Berlin, you still need German. Like if you go Definitely. to like the public offices or you go to the hospital, they're not going to speak English to you. Like unless, of course, yep. You you gotta learn German, so that's the difficult aspect. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That that was one of my fears, and uh, so over here, yep, everybody speaks English, the doctors and and everyone. But I still felt the need to learn the language, so I've been I've been on that for a few months now. I'm on Duolingo okay. almost every day. <laughs> <laughs> How is that going yep. for you? Ah, <laughs> uh, not so good actually, because so I feel. <laughs> I'm on Duolingo every day and I feel mm -hmm. like, oh, I can speak some Dutch. Then I start a conversation with someone and I'm totally lost. So okay. I need to speak more. That's, okay. uh, that's the takeaway. Yeah. I think the, fun, the funny thing about, about learning a new language is, you know, you learn, you learn like a, maybe there's a chapter, you finish five chapters and you're like, oh, I can now say apple. That's like for apple. I can read. <laughs> I can do all those things. Like, you mm -hmm. know the words. But the moment a native speaker starts speaking, uh -huh. everything is gone. <laughs> like, yep. It's yep. <laughs> understanding what someone is saying and knowing what to say are two completely different things. And sure. um, I'm always, I always freeze when um, someone starts in German. I have no, no idea what to say. <laughs> yeah. So when you're not writing code, when you're not building products, what do you do for fun? What do I do for fun? So... I like to play board games. Mm, interesting. But I, yeah, I don't have I don't have a lot of people who play the board game around me that play the board games I play. So I I mostly play the board games online. Mm. So they're online versions like Ticket to Ride or Catan. You'll find me playing Catan and Ticket to Ride every weekend. Like I'm always <laughs> playing it online, and I get to play with real people online i also play a lot of simulation games and city building games like age of empires oh i love right, i love it <laughs> nice <laughs> right now i'm playing age of empires 2 the definitive edition so i play online and uh, as well with people so that's what i do for fun i also like music i got a guitar for like Ooh. last year for christmas i don't celebrate christmas but <laughs> you know i have friends who celebrate christmas so they got me someone got me a guitar and i've been learning how to play and it's it has opened opened a whole new world to uh, a whole new world to me so like music you know learning chords and all that so i find it really fun to just strum i also like to write none of my none of my short stories i've ever seen the light of day but i just like to come up with stories and i write and i, I don't finish and then i start something new right and i don't finish but it's it's a fun creative process for me so i, I do that yeah yeah I keep saying that as software engineers, it's very important that we have hobbies that are, that are away from the keyboard. Yes. 
I say that, but I don't practice it myself. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so yeah. the, the only thing that I took up this year as I moved to Amsterdam is cycling. So like whenever I feel oh. stressed these days, yeah, I take my bicycle, go cycling around the park. So yeah, yeah that's been, that's been that, a bit useful. Yeah, I heard Amsterdam is pretty good for cycling. Oh um, yeah, it's, it's built for cycling. <laughs> yeah, Germany as yeah. well. Um, mm. I I've also started cycling and I, I really enjoy it. It's, nice. it's amazing. I, I don't have a bike yet. I always borrow my friend's bike, but it's, yeah, that's a good idea. Maybe I should do it more often. <laughs> I would. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's fun. Cool. We are getting towards the end of the interview. So there's a question that I ask everybody. Uh, what's on your home screen? What apps are on your home screen? Oh, what apps are on my home screen? On which yeah. device? <laughs> on your phone. <laughs> on my phone okay let's see yeah, I just, i'm just gonna turn on my phone and <laughs> <laughs> and um well i have all the google stuff so mm-hmm. there's maps gmail youtube uh google news the google essentials. translate <laughs> the essentials google translate fit all those things yeah i use google quite often i'm trying to move away from i use google um quite okay. often but i'm, yeah. I'm trying to yeah decouple myself from the whole um yeah i have duolingo <laughs> which of i course. barely open <laughs> i have duolingo um i have a uh, quora so actually that's oh, one the of mobile my app yeah, interesting that's actually one of my my hobbies reading quora mm-hmm. i think i probably spend 30 to one hour a day just reading because I get recommendations on, on questions. And mm-hmm. uh, unfortunately, all of them are skewed to still software engineering. So <laughs> questions that people ask, like new ones, and I, I get to read them. I also have Instagram, which is nice on uh, just looking at pictures and stories. I have WhatsApp. My go-to music app is Spotify. That's the only one yeah. I use. <laughs> <laughs> I also have LinkedIn, wow. which is... <laughs> interesting what do you yeah. what okay how do you use linkedin on your phone so what do you do well i get um messages like <laughs> messages from people like who want to connect so mm-hmm. I, I sometimes get notifications for those and i i respond because i don't like being i don't like not responding to messages because <laughs> then it seems like you're ignoring uh, someone. So I just like to acknowledge uh, those messages so they don't sit in my inbox for yeah, like a that's year. That's a good habit. And I also, I also like to uh, just open the app, go to the home screen and see what's in my news feed. I've been uh, introduced to so many new products that people are building within my network. And just I like to see updates of my friends and how they're doing. Mm-hmm. So yeah, LinkedIn is a good good place for that professional networking thing i don't use it for networking really (laughs) mostly just news and updates and uh, what people are doing yeah yeah that makes sense for my uh to do my to do app is a tick tick i've never heard of that ah okay it's it's really (laughs) nice i like it because it's super clean and I, at first I was using Todoist, but with Todoist, you need to get the premium version before you can see tasks that you marked as completed. And I, I like to look at tasks that I've, <laughs> I like to look at tasks that I've marked completed because it motivates me to complete more tasks. So mm-hmm. I go with TickTick and I, I have it across all my platforms, Windows, iOS, web. So maybe nice. you should check it out. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah. So actually, I didn't know. So what you just said about Todoist, I actually didn't know because I've, I've been using the premium version for like two years now. Oh, it's, okay. It's one of those things that even if I don't have money, I have to, I want to pay for because <laughs> right. I feel like it provides so much value. That I don't Makes even think sense. twice before pay. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. I also have Slack. Um, Slack. We use Slack at yeah, work. Yeah, for work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and also just random channels that I, I join, like Dev Congress or Women in oh, Tech. Yeah. Women in Tech yeah. uh, Slack channels. And some maybe someone has a beta of a product and they want uh, feedback. And I'm using that, like testing. They kind of post updates. So I join those, those channels. Um, I also have Signal because I have friends who do not, who do not use <laughs> WhatsApp. They're security focused, and because there's yeah. end-to-end encryption on Signal, they only use Signal. So I use Signal just for them. <laughs> oh. Yeah, <laughs> I have Signal um, too, but nobody has yeah. ever messaged me on it. <laughs> right, and I also use Express yeah. Pay from Ghana. You know Express Pay, right? Oh my God! <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's like we have the same home screen. <laughs> we do. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I love Expressway. Like, it just yeah. works. Like, yeah, it I've been just using them for like works. almost four years now, and that's the, that's the main thing about it. It works. Yeah, it just works. Yeah. 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 I mean, other fun things like uh, guitar stuff, more German apps, health apps like LG, Adidas, food ordering apps like Liferando, mm. Lieferheld, and car service, Lyft. Uber, Moya, Mobike, Omeo. We have so many of them. At this point, I don't even know if I should. (laughs) Yeah. And what else? Let's see. Of course, I have Wayfair. (laughs) I work at Wayfair. (laughs) And uh, I get discounts. Yeah, we do have employee discounts, yes. Nice. (laughs) Yeah. And I have Tonaton, also from Ghana. Mm. Wait, yes. you still use Tonaton even being outside of Ghana? Well, um, sometimes when my sister uh, or someone, a friend is searching for something, I sometimes mm. just, I also just go on Tonaton to like check and uh, help them out. <laughs> yeah. But I, 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 sometimes I just, I don't know. It's, um, I just like to go on there sometimes and just see how prices are in Ghana at the moment <laughs> of, of things, you know, like, yeah, like, I'm just curious, how much do curtains cost in Ghana now that I go to Tonaton and I can see? <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Cool. So we're getting to the end of the interview. Is there anything that you want to plug? To plug? Um, yeah. Anything you're working on, a project from one of your friends, anything? Oh, actually, um, I um, um, during the I think we were we were supposed to have this podcast. I think in November last year, right? Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I, which is interesting. Unfor- <laughs> yeah. So which so back then, yeah, I, I had no idea I was gonna be moving to to the Netherlands. So my plan my plan for December was I was coming to Berlin. So that's why we scheduled the the podcast, and then. In between when we scheduled it, uh, I started interviewing with this company in Amsterdam and then the whole schedule got mixed up and it never happened. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Interesting. I, I unfortunately or fortunately, I, I had like a medical situation at that time. So mm-hmm. I was sort of out. I was out of work for 
two, two and a half, two months or so, or a little bit over two months. And during my state of recovery, so somewhere from November till February was when I, so I think that was more than two months. <laughs> um, <laughs> during that time of recovery, I, I was so bored <laughs> that I started working on, um, I had never used ExpressJS, Node.js. And I just wanted to see what it would be like to build an application with just JavaScript. So React.js for the front end and Node.js in the mm-hmm. back. And because I had so much time, well, technically I was recovering. I wasn't in the best mood, but I, I had to do something to be sane. So I worked on this project called hooks.dev. I'm not sure if you've, I put it on my Twitter. I'm not sure if you've seen it, but it's. No, I um, didn't, but I'll, I'll yeah. check it out. Okay. It's, <laughs> it's a platform, like it's a free tool to debug like HTTP requests and, um, uh, web hooks and all that. So just a good learning experience for me. And um, I we use Docker, Kubernetes, and all that at work, but I never mm-hmm. really used it for a personal project. I tried to port an Asari mobile like to use Docker, but it was just a bit complicated with <laughs> all of our dependencies. So it was a good opportunity for me to spin up like a pod like online because I never deployed something to a Kubernetes pod online so yeah and it's all free and open source and uh so so that's basically what i'm currently working on not actively working on it and uh one awesome thing is a Ghanaian developer actually committed code to the front end part of it so it's exciting that there's an open source project and <laughs> i have one one contributor so um, maybe yeah, you can take nice. a look and if you're interested you can maybe come <laughs> up with some suggestions send up make a pr yes <laughs> yeah <laughs> just plug it in cool. there. so everyone should if people are interested you can take a look and um, hopefully we can make it something better than i imagined <laughs> yeah cool i'll put a link to it in the in the show notes oh, for this episode. <laughs> that's <Yeah>. great <laughs> nice cool. uh anything else um no, I don't think so. <laughs> cool. I don't think so. It's, <laughs> Great. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to say this, something? Yeah, I was going to say this was this was wonderful. I had a very great uh, time. I think it was such a fluid conversation, and I feel, yeah, very, <laughs> yeah, I'm happy about this, yeah, I guess. <laughs> yeah. yeah, thank you very much for, for coming on and for sharing your experience with the world. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, Kasir. This was another episode of the African Developers Podcast. If you enjoyed it and would like to hear more, make sure to subscribe to us on your favorite podcasting app. We are available on Google Podcasts, Apple iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Overcast, Pocketcast, and every other podcasting app out there. For any feedback or comment, you can reach us on Twitter at AfroDevPodcast.